We are back, and usually I do this, oh, scripted out intro. I'm not going to do it. We're going to get right into it. Lucy, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yes, I feel like I'm outnumbered by Texans today. You I don't are. know how I feel about it. Yeah, <laughs> there's someone waiting outside. We're about to let them in. But before <laughs> before we get into that, we have the most important thing to get out of the way, and it is raining where you are, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, we've been okay. in the middle of another big storm. So once again, there's many houses, not mine, thankfully, that are without power. Um, the wind yesterday was horrendous and it's raining. It's just horrible. But yeah, I've stayed in my house all day today, hiding okay. away from it. Well, I think it's going to get up to about 72 where I am today. And I think that's somewhere like 20 something Celsius, maybe. Oh, nice. But in about three or four days, it's going to get to the teens and it's supposed to be sleet and snow. So just another day in Texas. And speaking of... We have a guest today to discuss Season 2, Episode 4, Redanian Intelligence. Open the door. And who is this? Hey, I, it's me, Basic Wit Girl. <laughs> Another Texan here here to talk about The Witcher. There you so. go. We have outnumbered Lucy. So that's it. Goal <laughs> Temporarily. Completed. Well, yeah, Temporarily. at least for, for the next hour or so. Okay. Uh, but no, welcome. A little background about yourself. First off, how did you get into The Witcher? Gosh, The Witcher, I started... My first experience with The Witcher was the Netflix series. Um, New Year's Day 2020, I was wildly hungover and I could not leave my couch. And I decided uh, I, I stayed on my couch and uh, watched all of season one of The Witcher. And I was like, Aww. wow, like this, this was so cool. I, I loved it. Like immediately was like, I need I need more flash forward, I guess, uh, a couple months. You know, everything happens in the world. I get furloughed from my job start streaming and the the witcher 3 was one of the first games that i actually played um after you know i did a lot of skyrim but that was probably the first like really open world rpg game that i played and experienced for myself so um it's always got like a special little place in my heart i went and started reading the books and just dipped my toe into as much with your content <laughs> as i could have you finished all the books i i have not okay. um I got lost with the time of contempt. I <laughs> <laughs> that one, that one was really tough for me to get through. Oh, and I was, so you, I was listening. Okay, so you haven't finished time of contempt. No, oh. not yet. Um, oh. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I heard. I was like, I need to push through it. I need to restart it. I think because I, I was just listening on audiobooks, mm -hmm. and I think that there's something with the pacing of audiobooks. Either it works for me or it doesn't. And you know, with if I'm reading like a physical book, I can to skip a couple paragraphs skim it, be like okay like they're still just nagging each other like okay like let's go you know next page uh, but you can't really do that with with the audiobooks um as easily so i feel like i've just listened to my own witcher intro like that's almost exactly <laughs> how i got into it netflix and then playing the witcher 3 during the pandemic so that's so weird how similar See, that is i i knew i liked you lucy i knew <laughs> i liked you uh, you got to finish time of contempt like, <gasps> you, you, there's yeah you need to do it especially right. before next season that's what i've heard a lot of people have been like there's you know the big kind of reveal yeah at a, the end of okay. witcher season two and they're like you've got to you got to get through the books in order to really appreciate like what's going to come next I'm like, yeah there's okay. just the I'll do it. <laughs> massive moment that happens in that one. Because I'll agree, there's not a lot from that that I really remember, except it all leads to one thing, and then everybody remembers that that has read it, that's happened. Mm -hmm. So 
That's a big one there. Okay, but you are also a partnered streamer, right? I I am. Okay. Yes, what, I do have the the purple check mark next to my name. Okay, what are you currently playing, and why are you insane and hating yourself? <laughs> no, okay, you came in. You came in yesterday with your raid. That was a one time thing because I, for context, I was playing Dark Souls three yesterday on my stream. <laughs> And I have just been vehemently against like Dark Souls games that are difficult for no reason. Yes. When I yes. people ask me like, what kinds of games do you like? I'm like, I want it to be pretty. I want <laughs> it to have a really great story that I can like just immerse myself in. And I, I, I like a, a main character who's kind of easy on the eyes. And Dark Souls is none of that. None of those things. But my community is always kind of poked fun. When are you going to play Dark Souls? When are you going to play Dark Souls? And so I put a price on it. And I said, if you guys want it, here's your price. Everything's got a price. Don't ask me about <laughs> Dark Souls until you come back with this price paid. And they did it. Um, and I didn't think that they would. So it was a, it was a one day thing. And I, I still, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get the hype. So you're not going to keep playing it? I don't think so. Okay. It was always okay. meant to be a one day um a one day thing um unless i don't know i don't i didn't get the bug like everyone's like it feels so good when you beat a boss and it feels so good and i'm like i i don't know man i died like upwards <laughs> of 60 times in this Jeez. you know in the span of seven eight hours yesterday like I was not having a good time. I beat a boss and I did not get that dopamine rush that everyone said that I would get. Uh, I kind of just set down my controller and was like, all right, I guess we go to the next area now after. I've always been tempted by it because I used to sort of, in my Witcher 3 playthroughs, I would play on not the most difficult um, setting, but the second most difficult. Mm -hmm. I think it's called Blood and Broken Bones. And there was times when I was so stubborn, like having to get through not even a boss fight sometimes sometimes it would just be like a group of bandits that were like particularly difficult to get by mm -hmm. and i would be dying like nine times ten times and everyone was like damn you should play dark souls like you've got the you've got the persistence to play dark souls and i've always been a little bit tempted i didn't manage to catch any of your stream last night but i have been watching um another uh girl that we've spoken with before Brett called Ina I've been watching her play Dark Souls a little bit and it, I mean it looks all right but like you say there's no real I don't well I don't know but it doesn't look like there's any real story or much of a story there or any big characters that you could get attached to I could people, be wrong people will tell you that the lore is what makes it so great and I'm gonna I'm gonna counter them with lore <laughs> is not story though if you if you make me kind of go read up on why I should be enjoying something and like why what's happening is happening, no, I want it. I want it <laughs> laid out for me uh, with character dialogues uh, that are not like hard to decipher, and mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Actually, I'm running through Dragon Age Inquisition, a second playthrough, and I actually mentioned that as well. That there are so many notes, letters, and books. And mm -hmm. as I open it, I'm like, man, this is crazy. There's so much of this, and I'm not going to read any of it. <laughs> and then I just close <laughs> it. I was like, I felt bad for the writers that created all of this. And people like me just pick it up because it's blinking on my screen. And then I'm like, all right, let's mm -hmm. go. On to the next thing. Yeah, just mm -hmm. leave it. I absolutely, I relate to that as well. I, I thought when I started playing Skyrim for the first time, I had the same thought. I was like, there's so many books that you can pick up and open, and there's actually things to read in there, whether it's important to the actual like game of Skyrim or it was just something funny. I'm like, people sat down and like, they wrote all this out 
and I'm going to I'm going to flip through the three pages and I'm going to close it and I'm going to leave it here in this dungeon and never return <laughs> and never give it a second thought cuz I know Exactly. cuz I'm with you and Elden Ring is the big one that I think's coming out in like a month. So mm-hmm. I'm yeah. assuming that's a no-go for both of y'all. I had a lot of people yesterday come into my my one-time Dark Souls stream and be like, "Are you going to get Elden <laughs> yeah, Ring?" and yeah. I was like, "No." This is, I lost a bet, essentially, and that's why I'm playing this. <laughs> I'm not going to get Elden You sold Ring. out in a good way. You sold out in a good way to play it. I did. I sold out. Everything's got a price. I stand by it, you know. But yeah, get your back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lucy, is that a no for you? Well, I've, I, I, to be honest, this is awful to admit, but I don't really know what Elden Ring is. It's Is it a part of the Skyrim no, it is. It's no. the same. And correct me if I'm wrong, basically, if you know, mm-hmm. it's from the same people that did Dark Souls. I know it's just like Dark oh, Souls. A huge mm-hmm. selling point on it, though, is the lore, if you will. I don't think the story, I think the background lore was created by George R. R. Martin. Yep. It's yet another mm-hmm. thing he has been distracted by to not finish <laughs> a song, the Winds of Winter specifically. And it, like the, I think a bunch of streamers or a bunch of creators or whatever got an early access to it. So. I think several hours of gameplay you can watch. And people have asked me that mm. as well. And I sum it up as this. It looks incredible. I would read stories about it. I would love to watch a series or a movie set with it because like the armor aesthetic is just amazing. But there's no way in hell I would play it because as I've covered time and time again, I play on just the story. I play mm-hmm. on easy. I still mm-hmm. die on those modes because usually when I'm playing it and streaming, I will really try to pay attention to the chat and try to be as entertaining as possible. And it's Mm -hmm. hard to do that when I'm actually caring about the game. And I died last night on super easy mode, Dragon Inquisition. (laughs) And I got mad because I'm like, why am I dying? This is on easy mode. A child should be able to just fumble their way through this to get the story. Because Lucy, I remember you, the Toad Prince in Hearts of Stone. How long did that take you? The first time I played it on normal difficulty, it took me 40 minutes and that I didn't Jesus. die once. And it was just like God. this long, this long battle. But then, like I said earlier, the second time I played through was on Blood and Broken Bones. And I think at the end of a stream one night, about 40, 45 minutes, I hadn't finished it. And I just had to like call it a night. And then the next stream I came on and we managed to do it in like half an hour. But it was just, it took so long. And I could see, like, I would catch a glimpse of myself on the camera on the stream. And I could just see the life draining out of my The intensity, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Did you enjoy it though? Like defeating the boss after all that time, did you enjoy it? Yeah, I think like I did feel the satisfaction of beating it in the end. Then you might like Dark Souls. Maybe, yeah. There was a point where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And there was a point where... I was considering turning the difficulty down, but I'm also just too stubborn. And everyone was telling me, there's no shame in loading an old save. You can just load an old save and go back and read it. And I was like, no, No, I'm going to do it. And I did it eventually. But yeah, it's my stubbornness that uh, ends us up in those situations. Okay. Basic, have you beat all the DLCs, play the DLCs of Witcher 3? I have. Yeah. And I, I, you say the frog prince and I vividly remember my, my encounter with the frog I think prince everybody too. does i uh, there's so many like i i think i got a ton of joy from beating i know the frog prince for sure um there was in the just the main game at one point you have to you track down a werewolf and like that battle yeah. took me forever the end of blood and wine where you're fighting the like master vampire uh i vividly remember like yeah. joy in my soul yeah. when i <laughs> beat those 
uh, the frog prints, though, I, I remember people were like, you don't have any oils. Yeah. You don't have any oils. Like, you're just going to be hacking away at this thing. You need oils. And I was like, I can't go get any oils right now. I can't leave the area. Mm -hmm. I'm just yeah. stuck here. Beating Detlef at the end of Blood and Wine is another one that I mm -hmm. actually don't remember that. Because, again, like I said, I'm sure I played it on easy. But I don't remember. I remember what the fight was like. But I don't remember that being a struggle. But the Toad Prince was mm -hmm. just, I mean, I think that sticks with everybody who has played it Hearts does. of Stone. And he proper gatekeeps Hearts of Stone, because some people never beat him. Oh, And then they really? just don't, yeah, because I think some people just give up eventually, and then they don't get to experience just any of the Hearts difficulty. of Stone. They can just drop exactly, the because he's right at the start as well. Yeah, no, Hearts of Stone, I actually, I think I preferred that DLC to Blood and Wine, and I think I'm in the mm. minority for that. A lot of people always told me, like, Blood and Wine is, like, this beautiful DLC, and, like, I, I don't disagree, but I really, I just loved the story of, Heart, yeah. of uh, Hearts of Stone so much more. I think you're in the majority of the story, because most people that I hear like the story of Hearts and Stone more than Blood and Wine, but mm -hmm. the setting of Blood and Wine yeah. was just such a nice change of pace. It was so bright, beautiful. It was Toussaint. If that's a really good yeah, point and if you've read through the books because the first time i played blood and wine i had not read the books so regis was just some guy always from the past and they talk about all this stuff i don't know but on a replay of it having read the books it is so much different because you get this backstory of regis mm. see i'm calling him regis now i'm not calling him regis so i might be losing that time there i was trying to get with <laughs> regis but yeah regis and it hits so much different so i think that's kind of a different too but yeah we've Again, I, we talk about the weather every episode, and we also talk about how <laughs> when eventually we get to Hearts of Stone, that oh, will wow. be each episode will be like half of a quest because there's just <laughs> yeah. so much to talk about, especially when mm -hmm. you get to Old Geards, like Three Wishes, if you will. So, mm -hmm. no, for sure. Um, it's a lot of people to have on, but we will definitely keep you in mind. Actually, it's going to go on for so long. If you want to be back on, we'll have you on multiple episodes. <laughs> and then Blood at, uh, Hearts of Stone will be one of those. Hey, who wants to be on Hearts of Stone? Like, everybody's going to do it. So, no, listen, yeah, whatever. Be I'll clear my schedule to, to talk Witcher Th with That you is guys. going to be years <laughs> away, yeah, yeah. the way we're going, especially <laughs> as new Witcher stuff like this comes up, because this is pushing back like two or three months. I appreciate like stalling, getting to things that you want to do. And like, I, I appreciate taking your time. Yeah, and and there's so much to do, and, and you know a big thing too also is, and it's kind of like a peeling back the curtain thing also. Like the first episodes that we did together, like me and Lucy, we can probably mm -hmm. go look back on them now and being like, oh, because they're just not going to be as good as yeah. right now because of chemistry of us getting used to everything, and so mm -hmm. that's that's going to be a fun thing too because my early episodes when this was Whispers of Oxenford when it was just me doing the books, I cannot go listen. To those early episodes <laughs> because I talk so slow and I guess I was just trying to be like dramatic at times or hit things. This is terrible. But oh, people tell me. No, they were. See, but people say. probably, you're your own like harshest critic. Okay, yeah, absolutely. And it was the first time I was doing it. So my eight minute mm -hmm. episodes would take me like an hour and a half because every oh. time I'd play it back and be like, oh, that sounds terrible. Oh, oh, that sounds terrible. And eventually I just was like, just finish the flipping episode so you can mm -hmm. go do something else. And so that's a big thing, too. So that'll be fun to get with. All right. So yeah. we got the intro out of the way. People are like, oh, thank God. They're finally going to start talking about The Witcher. Nope, we're not. Because you're <laughs> listening to On the Path, and this is what we do. A big thing that I know Basic is into, a big thing that I know Lucy is into, and I was the last on this boat, and my <laughs> claws got hooked into it. 
was Red Dead Redemption 2. Basic. I know you love mm-hmm. it so much. What drew you to that game? It was one of those games. I, growing up kind of in the Midwest and then kind of like the, the southern United States now, I've always just had a really romanticized view of the West. Uh, it's one It's one thing that I do remember, like my dad and I growing up, we would watch Westerns and stuff together. I was instantly like drawn to cowboy game. I was like, I want to play this so bad. And like, I think, you know, I'm really excited to get into it. It's got everything that I want. We go back to like, what do I like in a game? It's beautiful. The open world, the characters are so like, complex and you see like this character development and the way that they change over the course of the game and it's you know it's it's great the story i don't think that i will ever find a game that will do to me what this story like yeah did to me kind of thing so it, it's an easy it's a it's an easy whenever somebody comes into my chat like do you recommend red dead 2 i'm like yes yes just yes mm-hmm. I, I, yes that's don't get me on a tangent because I'll go into all of the reasons why you should play it. But like an easy win, isn't it? Like if somebody says, what game should I play next? You know, you can't go wrong with Red Dead 2. Like, if, mm-hmm. have you played Red Dead 2? No. Okay. Stop everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. Play Red Dead 2. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, I, I try to switch it up now because it's kind of become the predictable answer. So I'm yeah. like, oh, hey, like, should I play this? It's like, or like, what game should I play next? Like, well, do you want me to just say you should play Red Dead or do you want me to like give you a different suggestion? Uh, that's it. Like, have in you my played library. Dark Souls? <laughs> <laughs> I will never recommend Dark Souls to anybody. Unless you don't like them. Yeah, Unless I'm like, <laughs> I want to cause you some mental pain today. So I think that you should play Dark Souls. You should go give that a try. Okay, so I have a confession to make. And I didn't say this before because I didn't want to get into it especially on stream when people are asking this when i first played red dead 2 this last time and played through it it was not the first time i played it i played it when the game was released but here's Mm -hmm. the only thing i would say to someone who's asking to play red dead 2 because it was the same thing said to me over and over and it was dead on Mm -hmm, take your time with the game if you don't have time to play it don't do it start it when you Mm -hmm. have time because it is a slow burn it is a very slow burn and when that game was first released Right at the beginning of basketball season, when I was just becoming a high school basketball coach again, that was not the time for a slow burn of a game. And I played like five to six hours of it, and it was just so slow. And I was playing on the PlayStation 4. So aiming Mm -hmm. was a little iffy with a controller as opposed to doing it with a mouse. And so I did did play it then, and I, I hated it so much I instantly sold it. I oh, did. No. I know. I know. And so like me, it's almost like no. I'm, a, I'm a born again Red Dead 2. I was like, I'm like Paul. It was St. Paul seeing the epiphany and getting blinded in that <laughs> the road to Damascus conversion. Mine was the road to Blackwater, if you want to call it. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, that's what we do. See, that's the thing also yeah, about being raised Texans. You're going to have that good old time religion based in there, my religious analogies of that. But yeah, that that's my confession there. And I'm glad that you brought up about liking Westerns because – it's such a quintessential American thing of being, like you said, the Midwest in Texas is this notion of the West and this notion of freedom. And it's a huge mm-hmm. thing that Dutch, the leader of the gang, hits on is this freedom, freedom, freedom aspect. I mean, his freedom is freedom to do crime and like mm-hmm. steal from people. But that is such a thing of it that is almost permeated in American, but especially like a Texas culture is something like guns or having guns. I've got two of them up there. Some people are just probably clutching like, oh my God, like 
they have guns. And it's like, well, when you're <laughs> raised around it, it's not a big deal, you mm -hmm. know? And so that's something yeah. that I like to hear your perspective. And then someone like Lucy, who, Lucy, I'm assuming, have you ever seen a gun? Is that a weird question? Well, I think I can semi-relate because um, I live in England now, but I was raised in Northern Ireland. And the difference in Northern Ireland is the police all carry weapons in Northern Ireland. And they're geared up with uh, vests, you know, like Kevlar vests. And they all um, travel in twos and one of them or two of them will have a gun. So I'm used to seeing police carry a gun but never just like your standard normal person would just have one on their shelf. No one at the local Chipotle? <laughs> no. So not not packing an AR-15 or anything? No, no, not at all. So, yeah, so I think sometimes when I would take, you know, a friend or someone back to Northern Ireland from England, they would be like, oh my God, that policeman has a gun. So that's the difference between me and someone from England. But obviously in Texas, it's the next level up from that. Yeah. Probably like a couple, a couple levels yeah. up from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, exactly. we tend to have it i will say this though if i literally am at like a fast food restaurant and someone does have like a gun showing that does still kind of shake me because that's something yeah. now it's no it's not a fight if people sh should be allowed to carry guns it's now should it be concealed or not and like mm -hmm. all the time especially in texas you just have to understand if you're in a crowded area someone's probably has a concealed gun on there you used to actually have a license but i think they just changed the law i don't even think you have to have a license to conceal carry oh, anymore wow. do you not that's I wild think that i haven't yeah. been paying that close of attention to uh that that legislation that's wild i i'm i feel like concealed you, you need to do the, dil the due diligence to be like hey i am um, i'm sort of trusted to be able to conceal a weapon versus just mm -hmm. like hey i'm i'm gonna do it because i want to kind of thing but yeah yeah I think there should be in this, we will not, we don't need to go down this thing. But to me, a lot of it, whenever you have like fines and permits and money like that, it punishes the lower classes, it punishes the working class. And so to mm -hmm. me, if you're going to have a, if you're going to have to pay to do something that is a quote constitutional right, it should be free. It should not cost you anything. You just have to get the training because you, you should probably have to have training to operate a gun. <laughs> like that's, that's common sense, right? Is that something we can agree on? Everybody? I, oh, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. So. Like yeah. it's a gun y'all like at least take a class over it. <laughs> but then again, if it's like defensive driving, it's probably not. It defensive driving or, you know, home taught your parents teach you how to drive to get your learner's permit. Is that how just... you did it? No, okay. I, no. Because I, I went and like did sat in the class and like had to put in hours with an instructor. And then all of my siblings have since just done the at home thing. My parents, they, they didn't want to teach me They're like, oh, this will be better. <laughs> and um, I think they realized how much of a pain it was having to take me yeah. to the driving classes. And they're like, we could have just done like in the time it took us to take you to driving class. We could have just done it for you. Like we could have just <laughs> done it with you. And it's like, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you because then, there, you know, it, it was at a mall in like a back room at like a JCPenney or something weird like that. Like, and uh, I was like, then, you know, we'd have to be at the mall for two hours just sitting around waiting for you to be done with your, your driving class. Jeez. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, mine was at um, school in the summer. So oh. that, was, that was a little different. And it had it was a competition also as well as we did the stuff. There was like a leaderboard. So, you know, I just got into trying to get number one on the leaderboard and I was number two the entire class and no matter what mm -hmm. I did and no matter what the other person did the score would not change 
And I got upset. No. <laughs> I got really mad because I could not overtake him. And that's just 15-year-old oh, competitive Brett just going, going a little crazy. Lucy, do you know how to drive? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did my test when I was 17. Okay, okay. there you go. Because it's so many, right. yeah, so many people again in England, but again, it's not exactly the same. Over there, like they just don't drive or they've never driven. Because again, yeah. I assume because y'all actually have a good enough infrastructure <laughs> that yeah, you don't well, have this to. is the thing. Okay, because when if you're in England, especially like where I live now is a is a city, so you don't necessarily there's a great public transport. You don't necessarily need to drive, but where I grew up, there wasn't really a great bus system or anything like that. Mm. So as soon as I was able to drive, I learned so fast and as soon as I got my license I got my car and then I was never at home so <laughs> I was just like but then as soon as I drove over here I don't use my car as much anymore because I don't need to yeah, yeah. so I guess that's why not many people learn to drive over here compared to I guess it's the same for you guys Texas is obviously massive so you maybe don't have as much uh, as many trains or buses or anything like that what's a train yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say we don't, yeah. have, we don't we've got I guess like well, in I Houston, can also, we've got like the dart, which is yeah, you know, like well I can also something like that, but well I can also say this. I am in the at least it was it still has to be. I'm in the largest city in the world without mass public transportation. Wow. I'm in a suburb yeah. I'm in a suburb of Dallas Fort Worth. It's very easy to figure out. A suburb mm -hmm. of Dallas Fort Worth, we do not have mass public transportation. We have a bus that mm -hmm. takes us from the university to the airport because it's kind of right by the airport. And a couple mm -hmm. other places, but literally, it was also called like the most conservative big city, if you will, in America. So that kind of goes hand in hand with it. <laughs> so when people talk about, oh, public transportation, why don't people drive so much? I'm like, I literally have to. You have to. Because we yeah. don't have, we don't even have buses. So. No. Yeah. And again, it, yeah. The, the, the idea of infrastructure and basic, you'll know this. It's just Texas is not, is evidenced by our snowmageddon last year. Oh my gosh! Anytime now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anytime like the the temperature like drops below you know like thirty degrees, which is rarely. I have a moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. is it? Are we going to lose power for five days again? Because our our community where we are, um, we lost power and water the first day. We lost oh both, <laughs> and um, luckily. Luckily, we were able to go to my in-laws' place. They still had power and water. Uh, we got over there, and then that night, they lost power and water. <laughs> and so we were there. Obviously, then the roads were bad, and so we're like, well, we're not going to just drive back to our house. Plus, they probably, our, our townhouse is an end unit, and like I kind of mentioned um, when we were talking about it before the podcast, um, built like in the late 70s. So like the insulation is not great. Like it gets cold and it gets hot depending on the season. And um, it's like, well, we're just, I mean, we're just going to be freezing over there. And so it was just kind of, we played, I, we just jumped around like from anybody's house who like might've had water. Oh, our water's back on really quick. Like, great. Everybody run over there, take a shower if you can. And then enjoy it until it gets turned off again and yeah luckily though That's none of our odd. pipes burst or anything like that but it yeah. was it was crazy it, it was it was wild i was lucky i lived about a thousand feet from a fire station and i heard oh, that's, that's why we never lost anything <laughs> we were perfectly fine the whole time well yeah well at least we were physically there that's when my engagement mm -hmm. pretty much ended so i'll always think of that snowmageddon oh, as the last no. straw in the breakup <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but either way, whatever. That was that was literally like eleven months ago. Couple yeah. of days. It's supposed to be snow, sleet, down in the teens and the twenties. So now everyone's just like, 
All right, Texas. Did we learn from last year? It's <laughs> a good question. I know. And that was one thing I remember. Um, I, everyone was like, Texas's power grid is so bizarre in the sense that you can't borrow power from other states. Like Texas is just his own thing. So it lost power. And then it's like, we don't have any else. We can't get it anywhere else. Yeah. Privatization, like, well, that's baby. Silly. <laughs> that's silly. We should be able to borrow from Louisiana if they've got a little bit extra. Like, Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's hopefully something we don't have to worry about on that aspect. Okay. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah, crossed. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we get started here, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please rate and review it. Uh, if you give a five-star one, again, like on Apple, we will read it off like we did last time. A big thing also is please just tell people about the podcast. You can make a post on a subreddit. You can tell other creators, streamers, whatever, just anybody who is interested in The Witcher. Tell them about it. Maybe we'll get in contact with it. As you can see here, we love to collaborate with everybody, and it really, really helps it and doesn't cost you anything but a couple keystrokes. Uh, there's no spoilers for future episodes. Well, we'll try. If I, if I forget to cut something out, that's my bad. I got it last week, though, so I didn't, I didn't forget it there. And this will not be a scene-by-scene rundown, but major points of discussion. So last thing, we got an email here from Michael that says, First off, love the pods. The Witchers in the Netflix show seem to be very much like Navy SEAL Bud's instruct- instructors. They are trying to break the recruits to find the best. Granted, anyone trying to become a SEAL can quit. Siri can't really. Anyway, maybe that can change your mind. Brett, this is in response to me calling out the Witchers and saying they weren't really helpful. They weren't like a sports team or an athletic team. They were just being jerks trying to make Siri quit, not to make her better. And I do like that this was pointed out. But again, I just don't think it's the same equivalency, if you will, because Mm -hmm. anybody signing up to try to be a Navy SEAL, if you don't know who that is, that's the Special Forces of the United States military. It's basically, if you want to say the best of the best, Army Rangers. I don't want to offend any Army Rangers or Bud (laughs) SEALs out there. If anybody's like Delta, if anybody's Delta listening out there, I really don't want to offend you. I don't know if you can admit that you're Delta, though, so I guess I can do that (laughs) is what it is. So, But I do think the difference is a Navy SEAL instructor is trying to break some yokel from wherever being like, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. That's not Siri. And also, we should not lose track of Siri's relationship with Geralt, his daughter mm-hmm. in that aspect. So I do like this point of view. I just don't think it's quite on that note. What do you think, Lucy? Yeah, I'm glad you explained that because I wasn't really certain what a Navy SEAL bud was. Um, <laughs> that might just be me being ignorant. Um, yeah, but I think going back to what we talked about with episode two, there was no under or there was no obvious underlying intention from any of the witchers that they were actually trying to either use reverse psychology or help her it just seemed like they were just being assholes for no reason so i agree with you like i said i i uh, see where this point of view is coming from but it's not quite matching up with the theory uh, relationships with the witches, I don't think. Yeah, if this was like a, a volunteer of somebody trying to be a recruit or something, I can understand yeah. that. So I'm going to be there. But uh, basically, you have any thoughts? Context, I think, is pretty important. I I think the difference between like a, a Navy SEALs butts, like you guys have touched on, they're, they're going in there kind of willingly, like putting themselves up to that. Siri at this point is like a teenager that just mm-hmm. like lost everything. And where she probably would benefit a lot more from being welcomed in and being like Mm -hmm. taken uh, kind of under somebody's wing, trying to find like a replacement for everything that she lost was so that she can, I guess, view what she's about to go through in a positive kind of manner. Um, This is kind of just like, life sucks. 
you guys are being really sucky and I'm stuck here because I have nothing else to do. And uh, yeah, I, I, I felt, I felt the same way when I was watching that episode, like guys, stop being jerks. Like <laughs> she's a kid. You guys are adults. They're kind of jerks in this episode, but I think it comes from a different place here. They're yeah. just complete like assholes. So, but again, uh, Michael, thank you for the email. Really, mm -hmm. you know, thought about some things in there as well. So anybody else, witcherpod at gmail.com, witcherpodcast at Twitter. We will plug those again at the end, but by all means, send any of your thoughts and we will gladly discuss it. All right. So now about 30 some odd minutes in, we can actually talk about the show. So yeah, so hold off on those emails saying talk about the Witcher more. All right. So first thing <laughs> we're going to lead off with Lucy, you have down about Kair and Yennefer. Yes. So a large chunk of this episode is um, following Yennefer and Kahir initially sneaking around Gore's Velen and they are trying to find a way to get to Sintra. Um, and I just kind of like where we pick up with these two. Um, I sort of like how we don't see the journey sometimes and we just pick up, pick up where we need to because the last time we see them, they are running away from the... Was it Sodden? Yeah. So they escaped from Sodden and now we see them in Gorsvelin. And there was like a few moments here where I was just so intrigued by Kahir in particular. He's one of those characters where we still like know very little about him or his background. And there's this great moment when they're having this argument after um, the sewer scene. And he says... Um, he's talking about when Tasea tries to puncture his mind um, to, to find out about him. And his line is, um, what if it had worked? What would she have found? And I was just screaming at the TV, yes, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> tell me. I need to know. I have no idea about this character and I'm just so intrigued. He does give us a little hint. Um, he says, Frangilla and I serve Amir because he served us first. And I think this is... Um, it reminded me of in this episode two, I think it was, when Fragilla tells us that Emir saved her from the playhouse. I don't think Kahir was there too. Um, so there's just so many questions, you know, from this scene here as to what is Kahir? Does any do any do either of you have any secret intel on who Kahir is? I feel like he like exactly exactly what you said. We don't know like anything kind of about his background we just know that he was this menacing like general and he has experienced this fall from this position of power okay but like make me make me feel some sympathy for you like i i want to like i can tell that you're a complex character i can tell there's more happening here but like you you haven't really let on and uh, you know i'm eager i'm so eager to see kind of like the layers being pulled back mm -hmm. um yeah, he's very different, as I've said before, from the books. He's almost, yeah. in a way, a completely new character. Like, it's one of those, right. it's not even, it's it's hard to say it's an adaptation. The one thing was, he was the person sent to get Siri, but mm. he's very much an agent in the books, and he's very much a military commanding general in this, so he's much more in the forefront of everybody doing it, so... That's a huge change and honestly just is is a lot different. But yeah, mm -hmm. he's he's my number one character again that I'm curious to see where he goes because I have no idea except <laughs> that he's, yeah, he, he's, he's around so much, but you're right. We just don't know that much behind it. 
like wh- why he's really doing certain things other than he does appear to be a true believer, if you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know his motives. And then there was this one moment where Yennefer's lost it completely. She's sort of bearing her soul about losing her power and being used and her magic. And like Kahir grabs her and says, you were incredible at Sodden. The fire was amazing. Like completely disregarding that she killed hundreds if not thousands of his men and mm-hmm. i thought like are they gonna kiss like there's <laughs> a moment and then she pushes him away and i was like god that was intense but i was like does he love her like he was really you know, like infatuated by her power in that moment and then it clicks to him that she's lost it um but yeah i, I really like the development of their relationship in this in this episode in particular i i totally that was one thing that i had like written down when i was re-watching last night was I loved seeing these two characters who in the previous season were so like feared and revered and respected and they held this power. Like both of them are shells of who they were before. They both Mm -hmm. have kind of lost it. They've had this tumble, this fall uh, for different reasons and they're leaning on each other, but probably like they, I don't think that they know how to best support each other than just kind of by being there for each other right now. Like Mm -hmm. they're both like, we could go we could go to Sintra, but we don't know how we're going to be like welcomed back. And then, you know, there's the scene with the birds like blowing up into the wanted posters and you're like, all right, like we gotta go to Sintra now. We've gotta go because we were we're gonna be like thrown into jail and probably executed if we stick around <laughs> here. And it's like, what's the lesser of two evils? Like here where <laughs> we know we know how where we stand here and then you know, wait, we'll give Sentra a shot. But there is the mention that Fringilla is like kind of, she has taken that spot that Kahir previously had. And what, what's going to happen? How are they going? Are they going to welcome you back with open arms? Or are they going to, you know, turn their noses up to you both and be like, well, thanks. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing us Yennefer. She scorched like our troops. So <laughs> GG's, my guy, like, <laughs> have a good one. Yeah. And he was he was the commanding general of that battle, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In in the show, that's what he is, and she's the reason why he lost. And yeah, yeah it's kind of this is the woman. This is the sole, pretty much reason why. Like, I think he can figure out she's the one who did the fire. She saved the day. The battle was lost until Yennefer pulled that rabbit out of her hat, if you will. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. the fact that he seems to be taken with her, and it was a couple of times when I started to kind of like cock my eye. To, Are they gonna <laughs> kiss? Are they gonna have a relationship? Because if they do. Oh, man, like I hear all the heads exploding if that would have happened. (laughs) Can you even imagine? But one thing to hit up on this, because, Lucy, you said they're in Gore's Velen, right? Yeah. Do they ever leave this area? Uh, In this episode? I don't think so. See, that's what confuses me. And I brought this up on the Winds Howling podcast, and I haven't got an answer. They say they're in Gore's Velen. As far as we know, they don't leave. When they get with Yaskier later, they're in Oxenfurt, and that goes back to the books when Yennefer, obviously Kyer's not there in the books, but when everything that happens, well, we'll get there eventually, but basically they're in Oxenfurt. Okay, but they never leave this town, right? Was that, am I misseeing that? Did they make a mistake? If anybody out there knows, please tell me, because it's kind of sticking with me. Yeah, so I think at the end of the episode, Kahir goes off on the boat to Sintra, but Yennefer gets off. And that's how that episode ends, yeah. is she sees that Yaskier has been, I don't know, beaten up or whatever. Yeah, broken loose. And she, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So she decides to get off the boat. So I can't remember the start of episode five. So I guess, it, um, is there something that we don't see her traveling between Gorsvelin and 
because Kyer would have been. That's what I'm saying. Kyer would have been with them, and so I I can't mm. believe that they would make that mistake. And that I've never heard yeah. anybody point this out either. And I'm like, I'm not that smart. I have to be <laughs> making a mistake. But I still watching it again. This is the third time now that I've actually watched the episode. The second time I've kind of picked it apart, if you will. And I still have not found it. So unless my brain is just glossing over something, someone please let me know so I can put that to rest. <laughs> the only thing that in my mind now that I didn't even notice that. And now I'm like, I'm like rewinding in my brain. Like, <laughs> I guess they don't have a travel scene. But I know they do when they meet up with the the two elves in the sewers. And they're talking about we need to get to Oxenfurt. And then I guess it's just like next scene. They're there. <laughs> we make it to Oxenfurt. Yeah. Um, and geographically, they're not really... Well, they're not, they're kind of near each other. Where Gors Velen's like northwest Tamaria, but there's this whole mm -hmm. massive river, the Pontar, that separates it from Redania, where Oxenford is. Unless Oxenford isn't in Redania in the show. And I don't mm. know, because they never really say it. And another thing, too, is like the guards at the beginning when the elves are in that little chain gang and the guy has to urinate on himself. Oh gosh, the, yeah. that broke my heart. That was, like, oh, honestly, yeah, that was another thing. It's like, God, can y'all stop showing us these elves? We get it; they're persecuted. <laughs> like, yeah. they keep making it so much worse. And then I don't even remember. I don't remember this. Was this the episode where that girl is being taken in the cart, separated from her mother? Or is that next? Um, that must be next I episode. I think that was a different one. I don't think that was this one. Okay, well, that might be a spoiler alert if if I forget to cut <laughs> this out. So my bad. But it comes up. But that's another thing that comes up, and I'm like, oh my god. Do they actually mm. hate the elves, these writers, and they're actually getting some like masochism out of this or, or sadism out of this? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there was the bit at the end of this episode as well where one of the elves almost yeah. sacrifices himself to be a distraction so everyone can get on the boat. And that bit broke my heart as well, well where he just stands in the street and goes, fuck the north. And then mm -hmm. he gets beaten to shit like, oh, God, that bit broke my heart as well. Spoiler alert, he does sacrifice himself because... Yeah. That'll be that'll be next episode as well. So hey, Oof. we are spoiled. Yeah, at, <laughs> See, least, he, at I, least he redeemed himself. My bad, my bad. I was yeah. gonna say I, I liked that little bit of redemption after after that particular elf mm -hmm. like left his friend to die in the sewers. Um and yeah. then he does have his his moment of his redemption, his red dead redemption, if you will. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he I I did like that it's kind of you know, if that if that was his thing, if that was his whole character arc, was he he left his friend, um, and then he comes back, saves all of the others that are trying to escape. Then good job. It's sad, and you hate to see it, but I I get it, and at yeah. least it's he died for a reason, kind of thing. What did mm -hmm. what did y'all think of the elf that died to the monster in the sewers about his actual death scene? What did y'all think of that? <sighs> Oh, I was disappointed. I, I was I was really sad and I feel like it kind of just got like brushed over because yeah. uh it just it happened so quick. I mean that that elf was the one who kind of put them got them to know like, hey, the sandpiper, we gotta go join our little group. I'm gonna be nice to Yennefer. Mm -hmm. We're we have this understanding now. And um then he's just gone. It's just like it happens really quick. Yeah. Uh, his friend runs away and then it's like boom now the monster's trying to get yennefer and so like all we're right there we're now focused on is yennefer being, gonna be okay um and, and yeah i felt really bad for him i was like he just yeah he just either drowned and then got eaten in the sewers and like nobody nobody's gonna know except for these three people mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah, it was yeah. another point that I had written down to talk about because I I loved the inclusion of Dermain, this character, um, 
And I know that Lauren Hisrick is all about inclusion and like diversity. So it was really nice to see a deaf character using sign language. And I liked um, that they used his sign language as a way to recap part of the story. So whenever he's sort of getting Yen and Kahir up to speed with what Nilfgaard are, since the Nilfgaardians have aligned with the elves, now all the elves in the north are being outed as like potential spies. So they use that. And it was kind of beautiful to see the way he described it. And it was a nice way of including him. And the actor, I think his name is Jamal Ajala. I thought he was really lovely. And his little crush on Yennefer was super cute. Um, so yeah, it's just a shame we didn't get to see more of him. And it was just over, like you said, in an instant. And then you're exactly right, basic you're then can exactly then worried about Yennefer because it happens so quickly. But yeah, he gets his redemption, um, the guy who, who left him. So, yeah. Okay, I had what I was going to say, but as soon as you said redemption, Red Dead came out <laughs> of my mind. And I actually, Lucy, you don't have, you need to have a bandana next to I know, I need to get and one. And actually, I have the Bill Williamson style hat, the folded up there. So that's the kind that I have. Okay, so I have yeah. a, I've got a bandana right oh my behind God, my desk. I bought like a pack of a dozen of them, so I have like every color <laughs> you can imagine to put on there. Okay, back okay back on uh, back on tangent. This is a very good way, I agree, to do like representation and something like with a deaf character is a little bit closer to me because grandmother on my mom's side was deaf, and so oh. my mom has known sign language. She didn't teach it to me. I won't oh. hold that against her. My dad is my dad is uh, like a Mexican on his side. He's fluent in Spanish. He didn't teach it to me, but no, I don't hold I'm not, I don't hold that grudge. I don't think about that all the time, not at all. Who, who wants to be trilingual growing up? Not an American, right? Okay. Anyway, fine language would be a great one to have. Yeah, and so yeah, so again, this was a great way to do that. The only thing about the death scene is it went down. Have any of you seen the movie Deep Blue Sea? No. Okay. Y'all haven't seen it? I don't think so. Okay. Maybe, perhaps, but like forever ago. Okay. Well, if you've seen the movie, you probably remember Sam Jackson's death in it. Just Google Deep Blue Sea and it'll probably be like the first thing that really comes up. It's basically just like this, where Sam Jackson's... Deep Blue Sea is just sharks trying to kill everybody, eat everybody somewhere. He gives a speech <laughs> just like this very reminiscent of it of just saying oh we're gonna do this we're not gonna do we're gonna survive and like right at the end the shark comes up and eats him like oh. takes him and pulls it back and it's it's really oh. funny because it's sam jackson and it's a goofy movie and when i was watching this he was giving that speech and everyone was smiling and i was just going they're not gonna do it they're not mm -hmm. going to do it because you can see the water behind it. And I'm like, they're not going to deep blue sea this guy. There's no <laughs> way they're going to deep blue sea him. And then it happened. I just was like, it took me out of the moment. Yeah. And that's on me, though, because, again, that's like probably 1% of the audience was going deep blue sea <laughs> with this. So that, that right there, I, I just could not believe they did it. It almost seemed comical. And I hate to say it mm -hmm. because you're right. It is a heart-wrenching or a gut-wrenching moment, especially for someone that we just learned about. We're obviously going to be more sympathetic because of their death. And I, when they took him under, I was like, he's not going to die. Like, Yen's going to yeah. save him. Something's going to happen. We're going to see him again. Uh, nope. He did. That's mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, it's I, shame. That just took me, mm -hmm. they took me out of it, and I hope it didn't take anybody else out of it as well. And again, I'm going to have a couple tidbits of my own historical nerddom here. But as Yennefer and Kai are going throughout Gorsvelin slash Oxenfurt, whatever it is, they're actually wearing something with color in it. 
and there's mm. actually color in the background. And that is something, don't get me wrong, it's still very gloomy, dirty, muddy, like shithole that for some reason Hollywood, someone send Hollywood a book in history that shows this is not the way it always was, that they, <laughs> they didn't live like this everywhere, but there is some color in there, so that is one tiny step forward, I think, in uh, historical accurate representation, if you will. Yeah, that that scene with uh, Kahir and Yennefer when uh, what, what I mentioned when the the wanted posters like start raining from um, raining from the sky, and you see Yen in her beautiful purple like cloak and Kahir's and I think his is green yeah. and they they just stand out like in the <laughs> scene and that's you know and everyone turns immediately to look to them and I'm like man you guys are really bad at like blending in like <laughs> you yeah. guys chose color here and this is a very great place I personally would have gone for probably like a black or maybe a navy blue uh to like not have attention drawn to me but you know I applaud I applaud the the dedication to the purple yen it it was a moment for sure yeah, maybe the one time to not have all that color is when you're trying to be inconspicuous and hiding. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> a bad these idea. massive hoods as well. It's just yeah, like, it's not even, it's just so theatrical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do remember, I did notice like the very long, like pointed hoods of both mm -hmm. of their cloaks. And you're like, good for you guys. Good it for you guys. Uh, the drip unparalleled. Good thing that I really liked when going back to The Witcher 3, when you get to like Novigrad and Oxenfurt, is mm -hmm. everything is very colorful. Everything is very yes. bright. And it's not just, you're not just at like a noble establishment or something like that. That's something also cool because people generally ask about the history and also be like, oh, The Witcher is medieval. And well, it's just medieval because it's an easy way to do it. But it kind of just goes all over. And so something like in The Witcher 3, Novigrad, that is very much a like late medieval kind of early modern kind of style and like the full plate armor whenever you see a full plate armor in night jousting that is very late medieval you're talking 15th century into the 16th century that is not something that would be like high medieval and so that's kind of where it spans where you have this very much you can call it nobility with peasants and all that for the most part like a pre-black death so before like the 14th century kind of thing and so it's not exactly what it is it's not exactly the same oh and there's also like standing armies apparently in the show where they have like the professional armies that is something that wasn't until the late hundred years war like literally the 15th century the french king I can't, I can't remember who it was was like hey maybe we should actually have just a standing army and pay them some interesting things there that some other people might not find but it's fun to watch kind of how they do it in the show and in the witcher universe in general yeah, I guess the beauty of it being a fantasy world is you can just pick and choose all the bits that you like and mush them all together and say, oh, we're just a fantasy world. It doesn't have to be accurate to one particular time. So that's sort of the beauty of it, I guess. That's why it gets annoying when people are saying, oh, it's a medieval world. It has to be this. Yeah. And this, as evidenced by the name Redanian Intelligence, we get Dijkstra. Zygismund Dijkstra arrives. He makes one hell of an entrance. And Ugh. my big takeaway from it is... I love King Visimir. He literally yeah. has this woman get knifed in her throat in front of him. <laughs> Blood spills on him, and he's just like, oh, this again? As if he's just so yeah. used to this happening. Anyway, just an amazing entrance for the spy master himself. I loved it. It was so dramatic. And you're right. When King, when the, those two people die in front of him, King Visimir's like, oh, typical. Oh, they mm -hmm. were going to kill me. He's not bothered that two people have just died. He's just, like, inconvenienced slightly. <laughs> yeah, I think the one thing that, like, showed that he made... When he makes the comments, he's like, I've known this guy since I was 12 or something yeah. like that. And he's like, 
man, even this guy, but he just kind of brushed it off like, well, another day, another mm-hmm. attempt on my life. I don't know. They just deal. continue with their conversation as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What's so great is then Dijkstra starts laying it down and he talks about the Northern Kingdoms as if Redania is like outside of it, like they exist mm-hmm. outside of it and doesn't want them getting in the war. That was interesting because you would think the general would all be together. But he starts talking about all this and he's laying this groundwork. And Vizimir just could not care less. He literally tells him, yeah. I'm hungry. Hurry yeah. up. Like, get to the point. Yes. I'm like, dude, he is. this is your spy master. First off, he just saved you from two assassins, one apparently you've known since childhood. He's now breaking down the future of the continent. And he was just so put off. He's like, just get to the point. I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. I like this guy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. it's so funny isn't it it sort of made me think you know who's who's really in charge here so obviously king vizimir is in charge but Dijkstra's the one who really cares about all the goings on and uh he ends up you know coming up with this master plan to go and take sintra king vizimir doesn't really seem that bothered and then his you know the light kind of comes on he's like we could have sintra but like it doesn't seem like he's bothered about the whole plan or anything he's just like we could have sintra Dijkstra will deal with the rest of it Mm-hmm. it's like it's after the fact it's after yeah. he's laid out the whole plan and he's you know a paint by numbers almost like okay <laughs> so this leads to this and we're gonna look at that the whole plan has been laid out for you and we could have Sentra. he's like ah oh, yes uh, <laughs> the only thing that makes me a little bit weary of this and i it, it just makes i guess it just i think that even in government now and monarchies and rulers it's You've got your your figurehead, the person who everyone sees is in charge, but then behind the scenes, someone else is actually in charge for the most part. And that's very much so Dijkstra um, in, in this kind of relationship. You've got the king, but like you guys mentioned, he can't really be bothered. He's not seeing the big picture. He's not moving towards taking Sentra himself. Everyone else has laid out the plan and he's kind of just giving it like the green light. Like, oh yeah, that's, that conveniences me. I would like that. Let's go ahead and, and do that. Uh, dinner time now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've done yelling at Lucy to to finish reading them, so she knows. I <laughs> know. Oh, oh no, I'm like I'm purposefully staying behind. I'm gonna not read the book before the series. I think I'm gonna stay one behind so that mm-hmm. I have a different perspective on it. That's fair. And then I'll catch up yeah. after. That's I'm still totally on the last fair. wish. So. <laughs> Yeah. The last wish was so good. I loved that was the first one that I read. I was like, oh, like I love all the, the short stories. I will say yeah. though, I think that the last wish, it kind of that they based that first season off of that book that's not necessarily tied into anything else with the big witcher lore. I think it set like all these expectations and all these people on the internet are like, this story is about Geralt. The story is about Geralt. Give me more Henry Cavill. And it's like, you guys don't realize what the whole series is. It's about Siri, kind of from Geralt's perspective. So yeah, you get yeah. all of these cool Witcher fights, like in the very first season, and then people are mad when they're like, "Oh, like they've underutilized Geralt and Henry Cavill and all this stuff." And it's like, "No, he's welcome to your, well, welcome to the story." Like, yeah. he's probably on the sidelines with the the writers. Like, all right, we got to do it this way because this exactly. is how it happens. And like, he's probably the hugest proponent for it because he's such a big fan of it all. Yeah, he'll be the first person to be like, less me, more Siri. Mm-hmm, exactly. I think that also mainly comes from people that have only played the games and specifically The Witcher yeah. 3. But, Definitely. But the problem with that is, if, if you were to tell me, or if I was to ask somebody, hey, what's the plot of The Witcher 3? Or what's the point of The Witcher 3? 
oh, it's it's Geralt going after Ciri. Well, that's the plot of the goddamn books, too. Like, that's yes. the thing. Mm-hmm. And it is. The books, as you mentioned there, as I've said time and time again, the books are Ciri's story from the novels on. Obviously, the two short mm-hmm. stories are kind of setting it up. But from the novels mm-hmm. on, it is Ciri's story. And yes, Geralt is the one that we mainly get the point of view from, for the most part. You know, we jump around to a lot of different people. And that's the same thing with The Witcher 3. He's trying to find Siri. He's trying to find Siri. Once he finds Siri, then it becomes, oh, Siri has to do this. And the whole thing with the White Frost, which again ties back to the books like beautifully. And so many people miss that. And you're right. It's because they got Henry Cavill, because they got Superman. They want to see mm-hmm. Witcher smash thing, Witcher kill, <laughs> Witcher stab. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I need to actually go back and look at how many times he fights a monster from Blood of Elves <laughs> to Lady of the Lake. In the five books of the novels, how many times he literally fights a monster? Because there also comes a point, and a lot of people are going to be, I don't know if they'll put it in there, there also comes a point where he swears off being a witcher in the books. Mm-hmm. His, his medallion has been lost or taken from him, and they're just like, you're a witcher, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I'm not. And he doesn't have a sword. And it's just like, oh my God, people. I want to just show that to everybody. Like I'm a street mm-hmm. preacher and just show up and be like, look, 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 this isn't what you think it is. But again, I, it's the biggest thing I hope the show does. But I do think if people's minds are made up on that, then the show won't change them. Yeah, that's like kind of an I have to I, I don't like to get into like Internet fights with people. And I just roll my eyes when I see it. But all the people who think that the series is supposed to be like the game. And I'm like, yeah, that's you can't the make one multiple hill. seasons yeah. like over yeah. just a video game, like just the one game. You can't do it you, like there. You got to. I'm sorry. And it had happened in my Discord because we, <laughs> we 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 binged the whole season together in Discord um on one Saturday. And at the very end, somebody whose name in Discord is like was like that was so good. Someone was like like oh yeah, you like it. Have you read the books? And they're like no, I'm not I'm never going to read the books. And it was like you did your name and you're not going to read the books. <laughs> I didn't know reading. Are you kidding me? So you're just you're only playing the video games which takes place kind of like after everything in the book series and then like you're just going to you're just going to choose not to acknowledge this whole everything that leads up to yeah. this. Are you kidding me? And I just I rolled my eyes and I was like I'm not even going to respond to this i was just like all right everybody have a good day thanks for hanging out and watching i have the uh experience if you will of wisdom of age and i will (laughs) leave the internet fights because i used to do it in history as well and i'll admit every so often i'll see something so historically offensive that i'll just have to wade back into the fray and i will stop doing that especially with the witcher but the one thing is like you said right there is the people that fundamentally misunderstand what this series is about that it is not about lone wolf badass monster slayer that it's about mm-hmm. siri that the number one theme is about intolerance and discrimination and so when people discriminate in their views about certain things yeah. i just want to mm-hmm. shake them because even mm-hmm. if they only played the games that's hit up on the games mm-hmm. the, it's, the witcher 2 even though i couldn't get through it and i'll die on that hill as well that i don't like that game oh you didn't finish it i can't i can't it's so <laughs> it got so boring with the when i'm working for philippa trying to cure saskia it just kept sending me it's just an older game but yeah, yeah. like the, that's one thing too like I, i'm sure people come at me about that but so much of it that one's showing the intolerance it shows the murky area of the scoia and the elves with the northern realms but it hits on so much of this is this intolerance of it Geralt is time and time again treated differently because he's a mutant he's persecuted and when people miss that I'm like okay I have to fire off and I feel worse about myself afterwards <laughs> but I can't help myself <laughs> I'm still gonna do that definitely because I mean the people 
the people who dip into the whole oh like the actresses uh, like the biggest thing with uh tris and yen and they're like they don't look like that in the games i'm like shut the that's a big thing what are you so upset about it's it's well and again my gosh it's i've said it very much it's like tris no make pp hard it's like (laughs) that's what it is like the way that they've done it and again like the way they've done the animations in the games they're really hot like tris again Mm -hmm. is very hot in that way and it's people that just don't find uh anna schaefer i believe that's tris actor's name yeah, mm-hmm. if people don't find her attractive, again, because she's not probably Lily White representation of what they have and not the fiery mm-hmm. red hair. And I've gone on and on about how Sepkowski does not give a fuck about that, which is why he's described Triss as Auburn and Chestnut Brown until the very end of Lady of the Lake when all of a sudden it's like fiery red. And then it's another mm-hmm. retcon because Sepkowski – anyway, <laughs> I went on that rant last week. Uh, we won't go down yeah. that way. But it's just stuff well, like she- that, yeah. Yeah, because she's even after Sodden, she's supposed to be like burned, right? Yeah. And like she doesn't wear low cut anything or like that's how she's in the books. Like they say like she covers up like her burns and stuff because she can't heal them. And then it's like, oh, you can use the alternate like outfits in The Witcher <laughs> 3. And it's just like the deepest of all of the V's and Plunging the cleavage necklines. and everything. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. See, but she literally I, swore off this. Like, yes, and they've done that in the show, but I think it's even deeper because I'm pretty sure, at least in the books, she can cure it and she can fix it, but she chooses not to because it's like mm-hmm. a reminder. And it's a oh. reminder of the dead. And it's such a big thing I know I spent before is she's known as the 14th of the Hill. Because unlike in the show where Yennefer was thought to be dead, Triss mm-hmm. was thought to be dead. And everyone thought she was, a, that's why she was the 14th of the Hill. Only 13 died. But her name went on this mm-hmm. monument because they thought she was dead. Like she was mm. so close to death, she was going to die. And she came out of that so traumatized by it. And she actually brings it up in this episode. She reels off the names to Geralt. And Geralt doesn't mm-hmm. want to hear it because in the show, he thinks Yennefer's dead. But in the books, yeah. he does it to the witchers. And they're like, ah, we don't want to hear about this shit. But to me, mm-hmm. it's so much of her character that she's like, no, I'm not going to wear the plunging necklines because I'm going to remember what happened. This will always be a part of me. And I'll always remember it that way. But mm-hmm. as we talked about, CDPR wants to make gamers pee pee hard so they give tris you know hot the super plunging necklines the second uh the secondary outfit i think is what it's called where it goes yeah. like all the way yeah. down i think to her navel somehow. Legitimately. <laughs> I, yeah 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 that's yeah, magic yeah. to keep that dress on that's that's a magic right there it honestly that just does not make any sense from a so from somebody who like used to work in apparel and fashion like, yeah. design like that dress makes no sense yeah. That is just body paint. It's got to be. Yeah. There's no way <laughs> that dress holds anything in. That was like the Jennifer Lopez. Was it the Oscars dress like 20 years ago? That was oh, the, the green all, one. Yeah, oh. the green one. Yeah. The, yep. Like all the tape, and they just des- <laughs> yeah. they described everything there. And I'm like, she cannot move like a normal human without anything like coming anyway. So yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that again, that's some talent right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yes, Ooh, we're going a little bit long here, but we're going to get a little bit back on. A couple more things really to talk about. As we mentioned about Triss, she opened up about having emotions, talking about that with Geralt. But here we finally get to see her meet and bond with Siri. And so, Lucy, what did you have about that? I'm not a big Triss fan from Witcher 3, but in this episode, I really grew to like her. I like the sort of big sister energy she brought to Siri, and I love what it brought out of Siri as well. Um, I just feel like I can relate to Siri so much in this episode in particular, and it just made me feel really strongly about the two characters together. You can tell that Siri 
loves having another woman present in Kerr Morhen. I loved the little detail of when she did her hair like Tris and she she wore like a cute outfit. And Brett, I know you, you wrote here about the witchers teasing her and just in comparison to the last episode where we thought they were just being horrible. This time there's definitely a change in tone where they're sort of making poking fun of her in a playful way. But Siri is still young and you can tell that she was a bit embarrassed and I just felt like I've been in that situation before where I was younger and like maybe I had put some makeup on to go to the cinema or something and I just remember like my stepbrother's taking the mick out of me or something like that so I felt like oh my god girl I've been there but Tris just brought such a nice energy to the place I like how she told the witchers off after they spoke badly or well you know they teased Siri a little bit so yeah I was glad that she stuck up for her there was one line that I did like from Siri uh which was a little corny but she says you know my grandmother fought battles and wore dresses uh you can do both and it was another one of those lines that was very on the nose but basically you'll probably be able to relate with me on this like a lot of the time women are put into boxes and like you're like this type of girl or you're this type of girl and I think especially Mm -hmm. being like gamer girls we can relate because sometimes you tell people you like games and they just can't believe it they're like no you don't play games especially like when I used to play Call of Duty and stuff like that and you know you don't know why these things happen but it's that sort of thing that they relate to there where Siri wants to be both and she doesn't want to be teased for it uh so yeah there was a lot of development here with Tris and Siri that I just loved I loved as well the Tris kind of arriving I'm I'm exactly with you I did not care for her in in the games even in like the book series because i if i remember correctly Geralt calls for tris because he doesn't want to call for yen in the books he calls tris because he's like i don't want to call yennefer and tris arrives and she does her best but i think it, it ultimately she's like you need to call yen like i like she's better than me and you you've got to call her to help you with this here though where he's he, you know, like you mentioned, like he thinks that Yen is, he doesn't think Yen is alive. And so for him to call Triss, it's its kind of interesting to me how they like spun it this way. Um, but yeah, its it was really nice to see, like you said, like a big sister. But then at the same time, um, at the very beginning when, when Siri has like the cut on her face and then Triss goes to like heal it. And she's like, I, I she says, I think like I, your heart started beating faster like I felt that and I'm like Siri do you have a little crush on this Aww. stranger or like you know why why is your heart yeah. heart why is your heart racing a little bit um but it would I it is nice to one Tris again kind of brings color to Kermora mm-hmm. and she she arrives and she's like beautiful and she's like you I'm gonna go clean up for dinner are you guys gonna do that and they're like <laughs> Fred She's like, yeah, I like didn't, didn't think yeah. so. But yeah, I, I, I did love that. And then her kind of calling them out and defending Siri was really sweet. And I think it, it's one of those things where you can tell that they're playful with each other, that they all have this history because they've been probably interacting and crossing paths for years now because who yeah. even knows how old all of these witchers and these sorceresses actually are and they're like you know tr- he, you know lambert is like marigold and she's like lambert like mm. you know you're i can't remember her exact line but she's like it looks like your wounds have healed but your manners haven't or something <laughs> like that yeah. and it, it's this little it's this playfulness and i'm like See, they had a you guys very, were buddies. Yeah, remember they had a very contentious like relationship in the books. Lambert and Trace, yeah. like they straight up 
did not they did not like, like each, each other. other not at mm -hmm. all to where yeah they had to tell lambert like bro chill like she's mm -hmm. here to help us like don't be yeah. that big of a prick lambert yeah lambert lambert yeah exactly uh, Lu lucy I'm, <laughs> lucy i'm glad you brought up about like the way dressing and whatnot because again as someone as a man believe it or not some out there um i try to watch again like just comments in general just especially about looks or about clothes and whatnot and one of my students in a class, she is an athlete. She's a soccer player, like all, you know, you can say it's like a tomboy look, generally doesn't yeah. really have makeup, always wearing like sweats, always has like the gym bags and all of that. And the other day when she came into class, she was wearing quote, like normal clothes. And it hit me like at first it was like, oh, that's different. And for like a split second, I thought about even saying something, but I quickly caught myself and be like, no, don't draw attention to it in case maybe, she, you know, it might be a little self-conscious thing or she's yeah. trying not to dress in sweats and all that. Because again, having really only dated athletes, including having a long-term relationship with someone who is a straight athlete, when they dress up like that, it becomes like, okay, they're doing it because they like to do it. Don't draw attention to you be like, oh, look at you, princess, like they kind of say yeah. here. And so I really mm -hmm. thought there, and I'm really glad that I did that because it could have just been against something very self-conscious of what they're mm -hmm. trying to do. So I want y'all's thoughts on that out there because, again, maybe it could help some guy out there who next time maybe they won't say something like that. Yeah, I think it depends on the intention behind it. Like nobody likes to be teased or anything, especially yeah. I remember when I was younger, if I, I don't know if I've said this, but if I was to look different, I, I would feel nice, but I don't want the whole room of people to go, oh. Yeah. you look different oh like make a big fuss over you so you know i think it depends on your intention and the situation as well like if you were one-on-one -on -one and you made like a little comment i guess it but i guess it maybe wouldn't depending on the person it could go okay but if it was like in front of your whole class well, and you made a no, comment, no, yeah, yeah it was as they were walking not... in but still like yeah, i mean yeah. if somebody is usually self-conscious about something they might just take it the wrong way, even no matter exactly, what your intention yeah. is. Like right here, before, yes, the witches were giving her shit, but to me there wasn't respect or love behind it. By this time, we know yeah. they respect her and they like mm -hmm. her. And so when they're doing this, this is that teasing you would have on a sports team that you'd have with mm -hmm. someone that you're kind of in arms with, you know, brother or sister in arms or something. But as we can see here, even though they didn't intend to make her feel bad, she was kind of self-conscious about it and she took it that way that they were still teasing her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I th I think when you you make that sports team analogy, uh, as I I grew up like playing soccer, that was kind of my my big thing that I did, um, and just seeing the relationship between like the girls' high school soccer team versus the boys' high school soccer team, I think that there's a lot of different ways that kids kind of interact with each other. Like, yeah, if you know, if I was a freshman on the team and one of the seniors made like a, a you know a comment that was like a oh look at you, I definitely would have been like oh, I guess like, uh, you know, sorry, I won't do that again. Whereas I think I, I think boys kind of like interact with each other a little bit differently where they do kind of totally. tease each other and they they get it that they're like, oh, it's a joke, like whatever. And I think, I don't know, as, as an insecure teenager, like anybody pointing out like anything that I did differently, I'd be like, oh, mm -hmm. sorry, like, let me like go back to just like blending in. Like I'm just yeah. trying to get through my awkward teenage years. Like I don't want to be called out on that stuff where – you know, I think boys are a little bit different. So you can kind of, I think, see that dynamic here where I think they are seeing her like playfully uh, because they know that they're being playful. But, you know, for her, she's like, OK, like you guys are jerks. Like I'm yeah. just going to leave now. And then it was good to have have Tris there to be like, you guys are jerks. Like 
do you mm-hmm. you do you even realize that she's like she's a young woman have you have you you dress her in rags like get her something nice she probably wants to feel pretty she probably wants to put flowers in her hair mm-hmm. like you you guys gotta approach this differently you guys have absolutely uh like zero nurturing like parental kind of like inclinations like they don't get it and that's kind of what siri needs and um mm-hmm. luckily Geralt's there and then tris is kind of there to to open everybody else's eyes up and be like hey you guys got to be nice. Approach this differently. The same thing that you've done for centuries now isn't going to work here. Mm-hmm. It's just not yeah. going to. Like she's she's not a a little boy who is going through the trial of the grasses. Like she's not going to be she doesn't have anybody else going with her like through it. Like a lot of them like you I I don't know if we've talked about episode 1 or not, but you see the little flashback with Geralt and Eskel and how they're kind of like in it together. They're buddies. Uh Siri doesn't have like a buddy to go with her through this and um it's nice to see the adults kind of stick up for her. Yeah, I think they're try- they're definitely trying to make a point of these. This group of men have obviously done this for years, but they actually have no idea how to interact with a young girl. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they're just te- they're having lad banter with her as such, but mm-hmm. she takes it the wrong way, obviously. But that's the- that's going to show how they grow. And thankfully, Tris stands up and tells them straight away. You know, she is a little girl, and mm-hmm. like you say. Um, she wants to. She probably wants to do girly things as well. So it's nice um, that we've seen this bit because I think we'll then see growth in them, hopefully, and how they change in the way they interact with her. And I know that you do see, like, at the end of dinner when she's going to go do her stuff, and the one witcher stands up. He's like, "All right, I'll go. I'll play bones with you, or I'll go play. Like, we'll go play games. Like, we're gonna go off and hang out." So, like, there mm-hmm. is. It's there, and it is starting oh, it to is. like they're they're warming up to each other, and it's it is nice to see. All right, so Yaskier comes back this time, or this episode, and he is very nice in the show. He's not very nice in the books. Just ask Yennefer, <laughs> and he's much nicer to Yennefer here. He's a very, or I should say a lot more altruistic as well. He is the Sandpiper. I believe that's what it was. He's the one helping yep. the elves get out. And he talked about the Great Oak Bleoberis when it was raided. This is a callback to the first chapter of Blood of Elves where he explains kind of the short stories. It's really for the reader, where he talks about everything that happens, talks about Yennefer, talks about Ciri, Geralt, all of this stuff. It may catch him the interest of somebody who may be looking for those people as well that may come up. So that I like that little call uh, call back there. I think you, you write away, you can see that he ha- he's a changed person. I think just in the physical appearance, and I think that the Netflix... Um, they they did that on purpose where before he was clean shaven and his hair was all nicely done and he had these like bright whimsical like outfits that mm. he wore whereas now i think he with the state of the world and like what has all happened you know he's got he's got some some scruff on his face and his hair is long and it's messy and he's wearing this oh this leather jacket that i like have my eye on i'm like i want one of those <laughs> i want the hat kind of thing. Fold it up on yeah, the side. That's my style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think uh I think it's he's a very good representation of kind of the turning point in what was kind of this fun first season of, you know, fighting monsters and finding love and <laughs> the with the undertones of everything going on. But I, I think Yaskir is a really great representation of like everybody's a little bit of uh, horse for wear here and you you see it 
from toss a coin to your witcher to this this really you know upbeat and like fun song about two guys traveling together to like burn butcher burn like uh, you know and i don't know if it's necessarily a callback to all of the, the sodden and the fire but like there's so much like fire kind of uh, mm-hmm. be going on through this uh, series now and um it, it was good to see him again and it's good to see even those silly characters have a deeper character development to them than just like the surface level you're there for the comedic relief and the banter and stuff like what do you think of the song the, i the okay one, yeah. <laughs> i like <laughs> it a lot i i'm the kind of person that uh, whenever something like that comes out i try to find like a metal cover of it that i can add <laughs> yeah. to like my playlist yeah. i i will say i think that uh, me personally i still like toss a coin a little bit better but i love the like passion in uh in burn butcher burn you you can like feel that he's he tries to be cool about it and be like oh yeah when yennefer asks him he's like i'm an artist i'm supposed to put my myself in other people's shoes and feel these emotions like that's what i do like this isn't anything this isn't anything like me personally and then it's like no, you're talking about the butcher of blaviken like it's pretty <laughs> clear that you you feel like slighted and like you know, abandoned by this person who was like your best friend. And like, you're harboring a lot of resentment. And it, it definitely shows. And I, I love that if you, if he wasn't if that song was not about him, it would not have like, felt so like passionate. And um, mm. I, I liked I liked that Yaskier. I liked his um coming back into the story. Yeah, I love the moment where they cheers and say we're better off without him. And then you get a little shot of each of their faces where you can tell they don't really feel that way. Yeah. You can tell they both actually really miss him or they're like deeply hurt by it. Mm-hmm. But like, did anybody pick up on the sandpiper being Yaskier until it was revealed? I don't think so. No, not until they were until they were sitting yeah. there like, oh, he performs here every night. Then you're like, the barn <laughs> is back, baby. Give us our boy. Yeah, I just love the moment. One of the cutest moments, I think, of this episode is when Yennefer realizes it's Yaskier. Like, her face is just golden in that moment where she sort of looks up and she can hear him and she just looks relieved almost. I thought that mm-hmm. was really sweet because we've never seen them two get along, really, or be friends. So, like, mm-hmm. to see that, like, wash of relief over her, I thought that's really sweet. Yeah, it's like a familiar face that she knows, yeah. like man, we didn't get along, but like, I can trust you kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. nice to have. And I think that goes back to like, everybody's kind of fall from their, where they were before, where we left season one. Yennefer before was this, like, I think Yaskier was like, you were this power hungry witch, I think he calls her. <laughs> and he's like, it, he now realizes like, she's not that anymore. And their kind of reunion is very like beautiful in that sense. Mm. Yeah. And it's, again, just goes to the differences in there because would have expected them to have it again from blood of elves happens in a later scene where somebody else is involved that's where they kind of meet up there but to do it here and you're right when uh, lucy i think it's you that said it she's almost relieved when she hears that it's yaskier when again going back to bounds of reason that story villain trent mirth the dragon hunt they Mm. cut it out of the show and it's one of those things i was correct on that they would cut out is in the books in that story Yen gets tied up. She gets her blouse ripped open where she is exposed. The, I believe it's the Krenfred Reavers or whoever, or whoever they are, Boholt was threatening to, you know, use your imagination what might happen in that scenario. Geralt is tied up with Yaskier. Geralt's obviously pissed, yelling, I'm going to kill you, Boholt, blah, 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 blah. And Yaskier is like teasing her, like talking about her breasts. 
talking about how great they are, and even in a way like almost teasing Geralt about it. That's the Yaskier from the short stories. Yeah, that's different. It, it's very different. <laughs> so they've made him mm-hmm. a lot better. So when I see this, I just I'm just like, oh, that's how they went. It's fine because these are the characters, completely different characterization. Like they talk about Yaskier, like he's this you know player, if you will. But it's just again, it's a little more laid back in that sense. But that's kind of the thing that I was expecting from Yaskier that we're getting here. So this is a little bit more, well, it's a lot more wholesome. <laughs> but again, that's to, to tie the relationship from the books. We can talk about more than a future episode when they meet there. Because again, with Yaskier being back, it's almost like, okay, this is the Witcher again. This is the Witcher world. Because we hadn't seen him since that time, right? Where Geralt said, fuck off, Bard. Yeah. Right? We hadn't yeah. seen him since the, the that episode. The dra- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Yaskier Geralt breakup, yeah, <laughs> which, I guess exactly. also, which I guess also the Yen, the breakup with Yen, I guess there as well, if I remember that correctly. And then, yeah, so mm-hmm. we hadn't really heard from him or seen him. And then, no, I didn't think it was the Sandpiper because, again, I was operating under Yaskier is not a good person. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to stick his neck out. But again, going back to that Blayo Varys, in the show, it was raided and he got to see the elves and the dwarves, or he said they got the elves, they're going to come after the dwarves, they're going to come after everybody, including, like he says, the artists here. And you can kind of make your own imagery comparisons there of real world with it. Mm-hmm. And so, again, another thing that they just put in there, and it's just, yeah, Yaskier does that, and it's it's a good change. So at least here, they kind of they gave him a little bit of something to do. He has his own thing to do, if you will, because this doesn't involve anybody else. So it's a good side of Yaskier, I think. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. One thing that he does do also is at the end, he is uh, distracting or he's trying to get these people on the ship. And there's a dock guard. And this dock guard might have a recognizable voice. If you've played The Witcher 3, this is the same guy Mm -hmm. that played Cleaver. And if you're in the midst of a Dragon Age Inquisition run like I am, (laughs) he is Blackwall. And literally when I was playing it the other day, I heard that voice and I'm like, that's the dock guard. And (laughs) And I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, I got that right. And so here's just like, oh, that's Cleaver. That's the dock guard. So again, just kind that's of one of those so things funny. that gets tied in. Yeah. And there might be somebody, oh, we'll get to that one when it comes up. But yeah, Yaskier kind of muddles it by getting that meta talk. <laughs> so y'all picked up on the, the meta commentary, right? From the dock guard. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love this. This was like the way of the writers kind of making fun of their own mistakes yeah. and also the, the critics of the show as well. I think it was poking fun at them as well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was very nice to talk about uh, the timelines and it didn't yeah. pick up. And then, oh, you criticize because you can't do it. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> this was a just, um, oh, my brain just failed me. What's it called when you get a release? It sounds like lethargic, oh. but it's not lethargic. It's a catharsis. There you go. Like a cathartic moment for the, the writer's room to yeah. just to get all of this out. And it, it was it was great. Unfortunately, yeah. it ends with the self-sacrifice of that elf, which kind of. Kind of took the smile off my face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. a it was a great moment. It was another one of those where I was like actually laughing out loud at like the the little comments he made, especially about the magic kiss as well, because I know that was one thing that a load of people didn't like when uh, Yennefer and Geralt do their magic art kiss. And oh it was, like, my so Hollywood, so I Hollywood. Rolled, <laughs> I rolled my eyes so hard you didn't like when it? I watched it the first time. I was like. What the hell? You is didn't this? like it. <laughs> you didn't like the art. No, I thought it was so cheesy. I was like, "Why are you guys kissing? You're literally in the middle of battle. This doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Why? Why are you guys doing that?" I I rolled my eyes, but like, I <laughs> I'll have to go back and rewatch that because I didn't initially pick up on that. I kind of saw it. I was just like, 
this is still this is still Yaskier being Yaskier being having this like kind of fragile ego where he gets this criticism yeah. and then he's just like he just pops off really quick and I was like you gotta look at the bigger picture like just you know it just pretend this is Twitch chat and somebody tells you <laughs> like you're not playing the game right you just laugh it off like you, you gotta have thicker skin than that dude oh. especially like in this industry and um so <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that now uh, to really like appreciate that because I was like, man, you're like really you're kind of risking the the entirety of what's going on here. The, the, this guy's asking for your papers and you're popping mm -hmm. up on him in this way, and it's like that's not good. That never ends well. Never mm -hmm. ends well for anybody. Um, another great Yennefer face at that point as well, where she just goes, "Oh God, <laughs> yeah, she's it. like maybe he hasn't changed that much after all, yeah. kind of thing." But um. Uh, but yeah, and then yeah, the sacrifice of the of of the other that elves kind of. Mm -hmm. See, I also yeah. like what Yaskier does here is something that I do. I've really been more cognizant of, and that's not have just an instant reaction or be so reactionary. Is when that guy's saying things, he's like, "Am I gonna say something? Should I say something? Okay, I'm gonna." <laughs> I literally will do that. And it'll be if someone cuts me off in traffic. As my blood starts to boil, I'm like, is today the day that maybe I get on the news for road rage? Nope, it's not that day. Or just in anything. And y'all talked about like Twitch chat. And I know because I've co-streamed with Lucy a couple times that some of the stuff people say, that just to have the patience. And I know because y'all obviously have much bigger, y'all much broader and much bigger audiences. But like to me, it's my stream and mm -hmm. I'm not going to tolerate anybody's like bullshit and one of the mm -hmm. things i have on there it's a command it's it's uh, exclamation point stfu and i have it on my stream deck is larry i love curb your enthusiasm and it's larry mm -hmm. david who does it the best just is screaming shut the fuck up okay shut <laughs> the fuck up and anybody who says that i just hit that and i'm like all right you're gone like that, especially oh my god because you see it with gwent a lot as well yeah and i know y'all get it in your single player games where people just come in, hey, do this. Why are you doing that? Are you mess up and you know you messed oh, up? No, oh, I why'd you do that? Much. That was this. Well, no shit, dude. Thank you. <laughs> and like y'all ignore it. But to me, it's almost, it's kind of like on Twitter where people are just like, oh, I just mute them. And I'm like, yeah, but when you mute trolls like that, they're still in your comments and your mm -hmm. followers will still see that and they will still mm -hmm. engage with it. And that's kind of with the ch Twitch chat too, is I get that it's kind of a fine line between not just banning people left and right, but also not letting your chat delve into toxic or having maybe even your regulars get into it with them. So mm -hmm. I just, I don't envy y'all having to make that while you're playing a game and while mm -hmm. you're streaming. It can take you out of the moment as well, yeah. like, which is what I mainly don't want. Like, it depends. If I was just like, in a, you know, just playing Gwent, just like not really into anything, I might talk about it but if i'm like in the middle of a story or a witcher 3 or something like that i don't want to be taken out of the moment too much so that's like that's why i tend to ignore it and mm -hmm. like i find that people like that want a reaction and then that's where i get into being stubborn and not wanting to give them what they want so i kind of that's like my reasoning for ignoring mainly mm -hmm. but i get what you mean you shouldn't let people just run riot in your chat saying whatever they want yeah i i've always kind of made sure that i and this, and I think, is kind of out of the norm. I'm a very, like, backseat gaming friendly community. I'm like, just don't spoil the story for me. Like, go yeah. ahead and tell me, like, hey, did you know you can get this gun earlier than, like, you would be able to buy it? If you're in this mission, if you go over here and you can find this, like, rare gun or whatever. I'm like, that's cool. I want to know about those things. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but people who are coming in like, oh, like, I can't believe, like, you know, you did this instead or that. I'm like, you know, there's there's a fine line. And uh, oh. luckily, I, I've got like a great mod team who will kind of be like, mm. hey, like, thanks for your tip. But sometimes it's okay to play the game. Otherwise, um, people can't really do that to me in Red Dead, though, because I think I have at this point, like 1100 hours just in like, <laughs> a story mode game. Mm. And so they'll come in and be like, did you know this? And I'm like, yeah, I did. Did you know this? I will outrun dead knowledge. Yeah, I will. And so, <laughs> you know, it, that's one thing. But I, I think worse, Twitch chat's kind of bad. Um, for me, yeah. it's, it's TikTok comments that are like the worst. Oof. And like, that's when I'm not afraid to like pop off on like those people. And um, yeah, that's when I'm like, whatever. Like, if you unfollow me here, like, no big deal. But yeah. Oh, shout out to the mods, honestly. <laughs> oh, my shout God. Out to mods. I love the mods so much. <laughs> whenever i can't be bothered and i just see one of my mods typing something or just banning someone i'm like oh i love you guys thank you <laughs> so the, the mods the uh, the deekstras of twitch chat the yeah. deekstras <laughs> yes they are though they're like hey we're we're running everything behind the scenes you you're putting on the show right now uh mm -hmm. if anyone gets out of line we'll get them and it, for me it's kind of funny to see how my different mods handle different situations yeah <laughs> uh you know sometimes like one of them she's she's so great she'll be like oh i'm gonna I've timed this person out and then i'll like be looking at the dashboard and then the other one like as they're timed out i'll be like nope they got banned like this <laughs> other mod came back and banned them and i'm like oh my gosh like uh but it's it, it they're great honestly mods are fantastic i'll praise the mods mm-hmm all right. Any final thoughts on the episode? I know, basically, I think you said earlier, I don't remember if it was on <laughs> mic or not, but mm -hmm. I agreed with you. This was one of my favorite, it might've been my favorite episode so far all around. Yeah. Like I mm -hmm. loved it more than the first episode because that was more of a standalone and almost mm -hmm. in a weird way, a bottle episode. This really kind of kicked things off. It started to really branch out. I loved it. It was paced beautifully. At no point ever was I bored or thinking, mm -hmm. oh, how much is left? Everything just moved, 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 moved. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. No, this this was when you reached out and you were like, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? And I was like, yes, absolutely <laughs> I do. And you're like, well, what episode do you want to cover? And I, and I was like, I don't, I don't know. I watched them all at one time. Yeah. What is an episode? I just hit play and sat down on my couch <laughs> for eight together, hours. Yeah. So like, you know, and then when you were like, okay, let's do episode four. It's like, all right, I'll go rewatch it. And then when, during my rewatch, I, this was, I was like, yes, this was one of my, my favorite episodes um, from like the very opening scene where you see Geralt and Siri both like running and training. Mm. And then you, you get, you get everybody's kind of little stories. You get a glimpse at what's going on at Kermoran. You, Tris joins everybody there. Then you've got Dijkstra and you've got, you know, you've got Yen and Kahir over here. Like you're getting all of these pieces that set so many great things up for what's to come. And exactly like you said, I, I was not bored um, at all during this episode. If anything, last night when I was rewatching, um, I got to the very end and I was like, I kind of want to start episode five now, yeah. but it's like, it's also like 1230 and I need to go to bed, but it, I, I, I wanted more. And that's for me, that's really difficult. Um, I'm very much so the person that has to be kind of like overstimulated. Like I'm watching something, but I'll also still be on my phone checking mm. like, you know, TikTok comments or Twitter or discord. And this one, I, I sat down with my dinner and I, I just I watched the show and I was like, this is, that's for me says a lot i think for me 
like we said, we I loved episode one so much. Like, but I agree, it was just kind of like a standalone almost. Um, you know, we obviously did have Siri and they were talking about where they were going, but it was just sort of like its own little short story. Um, you could it's sort of like how people say you don't necessarily have to watch The Phantom Menace to understand what's going on with the rest of the Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't really have to watch Grain of Truth to know what's going on with the rest of this series. It's just like its own little thing. And I loved that. And then two and three, I was kind of like, meh, like, I don't really know. Like, these two are not doing it for me. But then four, Radiant Intelligence, I really enjoyed it. And exactly what you said, basic, it left me, I had to watch episode five straight away. Because it left me feeling like I need to know what's going to happen next. Where is if, where are all these characters going? I think it ends with ends with Yennefer and Yaskier, but it also ends with Vesemir uncovering the Fenwade. Yes, the I, I totally yeah. forgot about it until we were just and talking about the a, recap. Yeah, and I was like, exactly. Yeah, that was a big reveal as well. So I was like, God, I need to know what Triss is going to do next. What Vesemir is going to do next? So yeah, it was a great mm-hmm. episode overall. Great. All right, so that's going to do it, and I'm disappointed in myself. Because I did not bring up that, basic. you were mentioned on this podcast. Oh, yeah. You were mentioned yeah. on the podcast before. And for those of you who like, wait a minute. When we were doing The Witcher 3, and mm. why <laughs> were you mentioned? Because my Twitch bio is just Kira Metz definitely sells bathwater. That she and does. It, I, listen, I love Kira Metz. <laughs> she is probably my favorite sorceress in the Witcher She's 3 games. iconic. I love her so much. Uh, I was like, she is an entrepreneur. She's just trying <laughs> to get herself out of her current, of like, yeah, she's trying to get out of Velen. Like, I, good for you, girl. Like, I, I will not say anything bad about Kira Metz. She takes exorbitant, like, bubble baths, and <laughs> she enjoys the finer things in life, and I, I will justice for kira too many people say bad things about kira and i just i shake my head at them I, i'm like you don't get it you just don't get it mm-hmm. okay she's iconic so does that mean would you ever sell bathwater? <laughs> no i don't think i ever would i, I can't i can't imagine but um it would if, if you ever stop by my stream and we're playing red dead which i do three times a week um we we always we've named all of the the girls that will come and give you a, a deluxe oh, yeah. bath. We've we've named all of them. We we love taking baths in Red Dead on my stream. And so <laughs> definitely I, missing from the Witcher. There needs to be a bath option, apart from the very beginning of Witcher 3 where you're in the bath. Why yeah. do we not take any more baths? Why do we not? That's what that's a really great question. Um but yeah, my my community has been like if you ever do merch, we got to do like bath bombs or we got to do like <laughs> bubble bath or something. Like it's just so inherently like the basic wit girl community that um that yeah, good for Kira. She takes very nice bubble baths and I love that for her. Yeah. One bit of last nerd historical thing cuz it just triggered in my mind. <laughs> Medieval people took baths. They were clean somewhat of it. Obviously, they weren't taking it like every day. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we don't have records of like peasants and all that, but they were not pig slopped yokels, sw- you know, rolling <laughs> around with the swine. They took baths. They washed their hands. You know, they, they didn't eat. They didn't eat with like both of their hands grabbing stuff. I saw the witchers do that right here. You know, it was family style. Yeah. So they would kind of do mm-hmm. all that. So there's a last bit in there. All right, Basic, thank you again for coming on. <laughs> thank yeah, you thank for you so having much. me. I, literally, when you guys messaged me about this, I had to double take and reread. Be like, will you guys want me on your podcast? Like, 
Oh, bless you. Of course. Uh, yes. When and where I'll be there. Whatever I got to do, well, just tell me. Evidence by two hours here. Yeah, I think. I know. We, I think we did that. Okay, but where? I'm sorry. No, no, that's on us. No, not yeah. at all. Not at all. This is the first one that we actually had to take a bathroom break. <laughs> And I, Lucy, everyone was holding out, and I finally had to give first. And then Lucy was like, okay, I have to go also. I'm like, damn, I could have outlasted her. She won. So she won this round. All right, all right Basic, where can we find you? Oh, man, I, I'm Basic Wit Girl. Uh, not Basic White Girl. It's Wit, W-I-T. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on Twitch. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. Uh, that I, I'm everywhere, just as Basic Wit Girl. Um, yeah, you like Red Dead? TikToks recently. Hey, thank you so much. I'm trying to like crack that algorithm, man. It's so mm. much trial and error and nothing hurts more than spending like 30 minutes working on a TikTok and then it like absolutely bombing. It, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I can take on hordes of bounty hunters like in Red Dead, no problem. And, you know, play poker for hours in that game but you know as soon as the internet does not appreciate my tiktoks I, my ego gets hurt so <laughs> um but yeah you know i i stream four times a week monday wednesdays fridays and saturdays from one to seven central standard time um currently it's a lot of red dead redemption 2 and ac valhalla which i've been really enjoying um and probably never dark souls again so <laughs> until the next until the next sub goal or whatever it was. Yeah, someone, until the next time I need to pay my bills and I'm like, all right. When someone gifts they... you Elden Ring and then you oh. hit the sub goal and then and then that's it. It'll <laughs> probably happen. I wouldn't That'll be, be surprised. If there's anything the internet loves, it's to see streamer in pain. So There you go. <laughs> all right. You can find us on Twitter at Witcher Podcast. Again, send most comments there. Again, it can kind of start a dialogue and do all that. If you want to email us do so at witcherpod at gmail.com. Again, please rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, please tell people about it so mm. the audience can expand. And who knows? There may be special things in the future. Maybe. Ooh, wink, maybe. Wink. Ooh. Uh, Lucy, where can we find you? I am Lucy J. Robin on most social platforms, but you'll find me mainly on Twitter and Twitch and also in the Discord that we'll link as well. It's great having people in there to talk throughout the day. All right. You can find me on Twitter at TheFoxBride4 because that person will not give that up. We haven't <laughs> tweeted in the ages, so I can't have that one. You can also find me on Twitch at TheFoxBride. Join us next week. Actually, I take it back. Join us next time whenever we have another special guest on and we discuss episode five, Turn Your Back. <laughs>